Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Something you need to remember, and I'll mention it when we get there. Goliath says, whichever... Whichever one of us wins, a man that you'll bring from Saul's camp and me, whichever one wins, the other whole nation will follow you, will just serve you. Well, at the end, you'll discover that David obviously beats Goliath, and all the enemy doesn't surrender. They run for their lives the other direction. Just as something to remind us, I'll remind you again at the end, you can never trust Satan. He always lies to you. Well, now we get to the famous fight between David and Goliath. The deal was that the losing country would serve the winning one. You can be sure that if Goliath had won, that the Philistines would have made sure to put Israel under their control. As Pastor Mark will be teaching, the countries around Israel are a symbol of your sin nature. When David beat Goliath, the Philistines ran away rather than turning themselves over to Israel. In the same way, your sin nature will not voluntarily submit itself to God's will. As the Apostle Paul would write later, the sin nature has to be put to death. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 17 as he continues in his series called The Life of David. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Samuel 17. We talk about Elah Valley. Those of you that have been to Israel, here's a picture of Elah Valley. And this is exactly the way it is. Just about a month ago, we were there, standing there. And you can just see the valley and what it looks like. It may have been a little different there, probably some more trees and things like that. But you can see the camp of Saul where that was, and then the Philistines right there, and of course, right across that little range is where all of that creek and all of this thing happened, and David walked down there. If you look at that little creek there, there's where David walked down and picked up those stones, and this is an actual place that we go to, and just for you to understand, at the end, you already know the story. If you don't know the story, I'll ruin your book for you. David beats Goliath, so that's all right. Maybe you're new to Christianity, not sure what that's about. But afterward, something you need to remember, and I'll mention it when we get there. Goliath says, whichever, whichever one of us wins, a man that you'll bring from Saul's camp and me, whichever one wins, the other whole nation will follow you, will just serve you. Well, at the end, you'll discover that David obviously beats Goliath, and all the enemy doesn't surrender. They run for their lives the other direction. Just as something to remind us, I'll remind you again at the end, you can never trust Satan. 
he always lies to you. Okay? All right. So there you are. That's picture. Real place. Not just a story. Real place. Some of the stories, I'd like to be able to show you the fish that Jonah was in, but I can't do that. So sometimes you just have to take some things by faith, but there's an actual picture exactly where it took place. We begin tonight in verse 8. Now Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Now choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, here we go, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. So the way this war was going to go, not unusual in those days, we have two men going to represent both sides. Whoever is the victor will be the ruler, not just in that battle, but the losing nation will become supposedly the servants of the winning nation. Now, verse 9 reminds us of something that all of us sometimes forget. Verse 9 reminds us there's a battle between two kingdoms. Always has been a battle since Satan fell between two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. That struggle never really ends until the final days in the millennium when God finally puts Satan down forever, no more temptation, no more going through the nations, trying to get people to join him. Until then, we're in a spiritual battle tonight. It's not flesh and blood. This one happens to be, but it's spiritually the same. And you and I are in that, and it's always going to be. There's never a time when we're at peace. We're always at war. And, of course, it's about the souls of men and women, including yours and mine. Verse 11. Now, it wasn't enough that Goliath, you know, 9, 6, 9, 8, 9, 10, whatever, 600 pounds. It isn't enough that he's like huge. He has words that go along with what he stands for. Look at verse 11. On hearing the Philistines' words, not just looking at them, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now remember, the battle is always in the mind. That's why the words are so powerful. First thing I want you to write tonight is this key. You know it. Satan loves to use the weapon of fear. All of us understand what that means. You've heard a word. You've heard a doctor's report. You had a phone call. You had a pink slip. Something's coming. The words are there. And immediately, we don't even know the outcome. Fear grabs us. Every single one of us have been there, and we will continue to be there because in this world, we have trouble. Though even though Saul was a large man himself, remember, it's one of the things that we knew about Saul, he was a great warrior as well. Physically speaking, there was really no one in 
in Israel who is a match for the strength and the ability of this giant. So the situation from man's viewpoint looked totally hopeless for God's people. The reason is King Saul, you remember when God said, I've had enough. You're you're not serving me. You're a man after your own heart. You're a man trying to promote yourself. I've had enough of you. And he removed the spirit of God from him. So now Saul is a man standing by himself and trying to, well, work up the courage. He doesn't have God in the anointing on him. So now King Saul, leading this army, they forget one amazing factor. They forget God. They leave God out of the equation. And because of that, they're dismayed and they're terrified. Verse 12. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse, you remember, had eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in years. Now, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed King Saul to the war. Firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abinadad, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening. And I like the wording in the NIV. And he took his stand. This is just like Satan. He never gives up. 40 days, morning and even, Goliath comes and he shouts. He taunts Israel's army. You see, there is never a time that Satan isn't looking to engage you and engage me in a battle. And he loves to just speak words of fear to us. You remember when Jesus went through the temptation right after he began his ministry? 40 days. Satan came to him again and again and again. Finally, he left. But the Bible says he left for a a season. He would be back. You know this verse. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be self-controlled. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Goliath comes morning and night. And he stands. You get up in the morning. It's a brand new day. And you go out. You hear it. All day it affects you. You get ready to lay down at night, there he is in the evening. So what are you thinking about all evening? The very same thing. Satan's just exactly like that. He knows when to come. So to combat that fear, we stand on the truth of God's word. So when you and I are fearful, things are happening. You want to go back, as Jesus did in that temptation, go back to the truth of the word of God. And let that truth bring you a solid footing that God wins. We're on the winning side. Nothing that comes against us is going to defeat us. God's for us. He's not against us. And we just need to do that. And, of course, that brings us up. I think morning and evening is a very great illustration. If you start the day in the Word, you'll be well-fed, and you will also be 
thinking on spiritual truth for the whole day, no matter what happens. And then, of course, in the evening, when you get ready to lie down, if there's a fear there, just say, God, you took care of me today. You're going to be there. Give me a good night's sleep. You'll be there in the morning. By the way, I blew it a couple times today, but I know this truth. Your mercies are new when every morning. Every morning. So Satan can be there twice a day. God can be there all the time for you as well. The whole truth, the importance of being in the word of God. Now verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. Now if some of you haven't eaten tonight, I'll hurry right along here so you'll feel better. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance for them. They are fighting with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So we begin to see the great character again of David. He's the the runt of the family. He's the little guy. He's the youngest. And he's going to get all the whatever needs to be done deal. He's the king, but he's going to be 25 years before he becomes a king. So we see here a servant at heart. Not only does he go and play for King Saul and then come back, back and forth to the shepherd field, but here he's back in the shepherd field again. Dad says, hey, I want you to be like the public's man. Take the bread, break the cheeses, take the grain, take some snacks to your brothers, bring back some news. So he's a servant at heart. He's not looking for military action. He's too young. He's simply obeying his father by taking food to through his brothers who are there supposedly fighting. Jesus shows this same principle. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Well, verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd. See, a shepherd just doesn't leave the sheep. Shepherd leaves another shepherd. If it's for a day, a weekend, a vacation... Or if the shepherd's moving to another church, there's always going to be a shepherd. In this particular case, David left the flock with a shepherd. Loaded up, set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Now I want to talk about that for a moment because we'll come back. They're shouting the war cry, but there's nothing behind the cry. Not one of them's ever going to do anything. And so I'll bring that point out later. Now, who is bringing, think about this, who is bringing David to the battlefield? Is his father bringing him to the battlefield? No, his heavenly father is bringing him to the battlefield. You understand that God is sovereign. He understands beginning from end. He already knows the outcome of everything. So David is about 15 miles away. And he doesn't have a clue that this day is going to be one of the greatest days in his whole life. He doesn't have a clue. He's just simply obeying his dad. And he's going in obedience to those who are authority over him, his dad. The steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered by the Lord. Every step David takes that day are ordained by God. There are no coincidences with the person, a Christ follower, that's in the will of God. Nothing happens by accident. The steps of a righteous man 
are ordered by the Lord. Now, understand that as David is coming here, God's going to put a giant in front of him. He doesn't have a clue about that. It's going to be a big trial. And what will David do when he's put in this position? When really everybody is against him, what will David do? So as we see, God orchestrates our lives. And because he's a wonderful heavenly father, he will do a number of things. One, sometimes he'll take us behind the barn to uh, take care of us a little bit. Remember, we learned in Hebrews that if a father doesn't discipline his children, then there's really no relationship with that father, a real father discipline. So sometimes we get taken to the woodshed. We just get a little correction that we need to. The word of God corrects us. But this particular day, God's going to do amazing things to David's faith, even though he's clueless about it. Verse 21. Now Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. And David left his thing with the keeper of supplies. And he ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. Now, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and he shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Now, when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him. Notice again in what? In great fear. So they're used to this every single day, twice a day. This is the first time David's ever heard it. He's never heard this before. He doesn't have a clue what's going on. 25. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He keeps coming out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. Some of you are already excited if you were there. (laughs) Those of you that are single and have been, well, all the dating things, nothing's happening. You'd like a wife. This would be very exciting for you. You might even go in battle. You're going to find out, out of all those three things, the wife ends up not being the right, not too good for David. The second thing is, some of you, I mean, a tax exemption in these days? I mean, this is like Pelosi or something in there. What is happening? I mean, you go fight just for the tip. 401k with no strings? I'll take it. Let's go. And of course, a big reward, a cash reward. Now, why all this stuff? Why these three things? Because King Saul can't find anybody to go. What are these? They're simply bribes. They're simply bribes. But as the guys look at it, there's nobody, there's no takers. There's zero takers because they're what? They're fearful. So King Saul is desperate. By the way, he should have gone himself. He's the king, but he's not going to go. So David, verse 26, asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Now, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? By the way, we'll talk what that was all about. That he should defy the armies of the, circle this in your Bible, if you will, of the living God. Not just God, but the living God. Notice, not the armies of Saul, not the armies of Israel, but the armies of the living God. That's really the first mention 
of God in this whole scenario that we see. See, God's been left out of it. It's man looking with man's own eyes and going, impossible? That, that can't happen. It's King Saul without the anointing going, I'm not going. That's suicide. And so here comes little David. And he, he's probably around 20. We don't know exactly his age. But he's looking through different eyes. He's looking through eyes of faith. He's not really just looking at the giant. He's remembering whose side he's on. And by the way, David's probably looking when he sees this guy. You know, he understands hitting a target. And he's, he's looking at this guy and going like, who could miss that? And it's like Pastor Dave, when he does orientation, he has this golf holes about this big putting hole. I'd like to putt. I could do pretty good on the greens if the hole was that big. Well, David, instead of looking at the guy this big, he's going, who could miss that? I can hit that sucker. No problem. Why? Because of this. David knew this truth. Christ follower tonight, we have the only living God. There are none others. There's lots of other gods. We have the only living God. David knew that. A God that's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. A God who sits on the throne where Jesus is interceding for us 24-7. Jeremiah 10.10 says it like this. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. The whole earth trembles at his anger. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. So that truth to David gave David hope, faith, and eventually an ability to step out and trust God. That should do the same for you and I tonight. When we face our own giants, to realize that we have the only living God that should give us hope, should give us faith, give us the ability to step out and do what God requires us to do by trusting him. Verse 27. Now they repeated to him what they had been saying, gave them the rewards, you know, money, tax deduction, life. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now when Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at his brother. And he asked, why have you come down here? Now, this is a little bit of a ganguzo, mixed with anger, okay? Why have you come down here, you little shrimp? Who do you think you are? You're a nothing. You're a simple shepherd. I mean, you're an errand boy. And you're coming down here to the battlefield? And you kind of want to know what the deal is? Get out of my hair. You think you're special, don't you? Yeah, 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 I remember. You were the one that the oil went over. You think you're somebody special, huh? What do you think? I, was I bypassed for a reason? I'm the man here. You're the boy. Now, I'm just adding to it, but that's kind of the way it went. Today, Pastor Mark taught a story that most everyone knows about, even if only for the contrast between David and Goliath. One of the important lessons you were told about was not giving in to fear. Trusting God no matter what your eyes told you is vital to your spiritual development 
and maturity. Learning to see the Goliaths in your life the way David viewed his will lead you to success again and again. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will resume telling the story of the fight between David and Goliath as he continues through this series, The Life of David. You'll learn the importance of knowing who you are as well as in whose hands your life is. The spiritual aspect of David and Goliath's fight will be likened to your fight against Satan. Hopefully, you'll understand better how God can help you defeat your fears. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.